Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. Our podcast and radio show explore today's cultural landscape. We spark conversations about art, film, and architecture. Artist Bill Fontana has a longtime relationship with sound and space. He has relocated sounds for site-specific installations around the world. Fontana describes his practice as composition by listening. We talk about what has inspired and informed his public art projects through the decades, from his 1981 landscape sculpture with foghorns in San Francisco to his 2018 sonic dreamscapes in Miami Beach. When did you first become aware of sound as something that stood out for you? Well, this goes back to the uh, mid and late 60s. I grew up in Cleveland within walking distance to the Cleveland Orchestra, and I was obsessed with the idea of becoming a composer. I loved music, especially classical music, because I had ready access to that. I started in my attempts to be a composer and to write music, I would kind of go into a different state of mind. It was a kind of hyper-focus listening mode. And I found when I was in that kind of state of mind, my awareness of sound, ambient sound especially, became really interesting. And I started to think that listening was a musical activity. I got a recorder, a tape recorder, and I started to record sounds much the way a visual artist might use a camera. I came to the idea that, the, for me, the act of listening became a way of making music. And in this music conservatory in Cleveland, they thought this was kind of a strange concept. I discovered that in New York, uh, at the New School, John Cage was teaching a class called Experimental Music Composition. So I decided to leave Cleveland, go to New York, to sign up for his class and enroll in a liberal arts college that was part of the new school. A life-changing experience, even though Cage at that point was so famous, he was almost never there and he had other people teaching the class. To be taken seriously with these ideas about listening, that's when I made the decision to uh, devote my life to doing this. And the other influence that was really important is at the Museum of Modern Art, I saw Marcel Duchamp's sculpture called The Bride's Trip Bear. And in his notes on this, there's a famous passage where he says, musical sculpture, sounds lasting and leaving, forming and sounding a sculpture that lasts. And when I read that, thinking about the influences I had, I started to call my work Sound Sculptures. That was 1968. What is the role of everyday sounds in your work? I think it's important when I'm inserting sounds in a public space to really uh, think about the relationship about what I'm adding to a situation and what's naturally occurring there. Try to find a balance, I guess. Why don't you tell us about the first public art 
sound piece that you did in the U.S. in 1981 in San Francisco, where you live today. I, I think that that is one where sound is really describing place and space. This is called Landscape Sculpture with Foghorns. When I first moved to San Francisco, I became fascinated by how the foghorns from the Golden Gate Bridge could travel long distances around the bay. And I was interested in the idea of hearing that sound from different distances and perspectives at the same time. I selected and installed eight different locations around San Francisco Bay and installed live microphones that were transmitting to a building on San Francisco Bay at a cultural center called Fort Mason. Live sounds from eight different points in San Francisco Bay were transmitting to eight loudspeakers on the eastern wall of Pier 2 at Fort Mason. So you, you would hear this real-time living sound map of San Francisco Bay. When the San Francisco Art Institute took over that building and made their graduate studios there, they asked me to think about reinstalling that piece. And it's, it's living there rather quietly as a kind of sonic meditation. Another project that you've done that represents that idea of capturing and preserving history and memory and projecting it into space is the project you did in Berlin. Right. That was 1984. The site of that work was called the Anhalter Bahnhof, which in pre-war Berlin was one of the busiest train stations. During the Second World War, it was virtually destroyed by bombing. And in 1984, Berlin was a divided city, and the Anhalter Bahnhof was an abandoned ruin. And I was fascinated by this space, because when you think of a train station like that, and all the sound and all the life and all the energy that happens there, the idea that it was become deserted and, and forgotten, activating some of that, that memory seems really interesting. But the idea of trying to recreate what it sounded like in pre-war Berlin seemed really kind of a depressing idea. And what seemed more interesting was to find the busiest contemporary German train station and to move it acoustically and rebuild it acoustically. As a sound sculpture, I buried eight loudspeakers in the empty field that used to be the station hall of the Anhalter Bahnhof. And I went traveling through Germany looking for the right train station to bring to Berlin I decided on the main train station of Cologne, which was uh, at that time the busiest train station in Germany. And so I had this big broadcasting company in Cologne helping me set up a system of microphones in the Cologne station so that I could make this uh, large-scale, kind of real-time sound 
rendering of that station that I could send to Berlin. Well, let's fast forward to 2018 when you created a special project for Miami Beach through a commission with Art and Public Places. You interact with real space in Soundscape Park, which is a public park with a 72-speaker system surround sound. Let's talk about the sounds you chose to record of South Florida. I became really interested, I think, in a in a very important environmental issue that affects South Florida, rising sea levels. So I spent a lot of time, especially in the immediate areas around Miami Beach, to making different recordings of the coast. My methods of recording are kind of unusual because I will record with three different kinds of audio technologies besides acoustic microphones. I made a lot of use of hydrophones. And in certain cases where the coast is physically interacting with moving water, I also mounted vibration sensors on these. To me, it was a very rich uh, and varied sort of musical vocabulary of sounds. With the moving image stuff, because there's a video wall in Soundscape Park, I wanted to create images that would evoke a sense of the, the mystery, the power, and the kind of magic of this environment. I think the way you record and mix sound really came into play in the Mockingbird element of that part two, I guess we could call it, of of what you created. Well, I decided to uh, record the mockingbirds for a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, it's a state bird of Florida. And mockingbirds are unique in that their repertoire of songs is based a lot on what they hear. Mockingbirds are listeners. They mimic other, other bird songs. They mimic other mockingbirds. They mimic human sounds. But the way I recorded the Mockingbirds was special. The original recordings were done at very high sampling rates on a digital recorder. Because of that, when I took the recordings of the Mockingbirds and put them in a mixing program uh, and changed the digital clock in the mixing program to lower sampling rates, I would get different time-stretched, pitch-shifted versions of the Mockingbird. So I started experimenting with mixing these different pitched and time-stretched versions of the Mockingbirds so that, in a way, the Mockingbird was really making music with itself. Think of the evolution of a bird song, and that bird songs uh, are the result of thousands and millions of years of evolution. I wanted to kind of con somehow convey that sense of timelessness.
What do you hope for the public encounter with this I work? I want people passing into Soundscape Park, leaving the, some of the traffic sounds that surround the park, to feel like they've entered kind of a magic space. Maybe they can just really uh, stop and pause and listen and think. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. Our conversation with sound artist Bill Fontana reveals how his projects mine the unseen world around us. Visit freshartinternational.com to explore more site-sensitive contemporary art. We invite you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. With your support, we've been sharing these conversations since 2011. We invite you to donate to Fresh Art International today. The John S. and James L. Knight Foundation will match every dollar we receive. Go to our website and click on the red support button to give what you can. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk.